A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. So as of this recording, we are on episode number 69. Nice. I remember running home from school. Turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming, Chicago Cubs Dreamcast, now hanging out with Obstructed View. We are not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but we're just a bunch of fans who love the local nine and talking baseball, including the 2016 World Series champion Cubs. Hello, this is Ken. With me today are the gentlemen of Obstructed View, got Skip and Jeff. There was a trade deadline. Jeff and I talked about it last week, but since then, some really nice things have happened. And, you know, there was a hiccup the other day with the Cubs getting blown out by the shell of the Mets. But they're doing a little better tonight as we record. How are you gentlemen doing? Uh, Doing all right. A little tired after uh, staying up too late for our uh, softball championship last night. (laughs) You guys did win, right? Yeah, but we, we ended up playing the same team like three times. It was a double elimination tournament. <laughs> That's so but, uh, weird. They, they they had a distinct advantage because uh, that that team uh, was all sober. So when you when you played four games in beer league softball, you see things get a little sloppy. But they were they were still pretty sharp. Do you play four games in the same day? Usually we don't, but since this was the last week, because like it's a a tournament or whatever that they do at the end of the season, so. You know, they just tack on games as needed. Um, so normally would have just been three games, which even then is more than usual. But since we lost the championship, but it was our first loss, we had to turn around and play them again immediately. <laughs> kind of ridiculous. I figured like uh, quadruple headers are probably most definitely against the CBA, but you guys gave yeah. consent. <laughs> when, when, when they're mostly only three inning games, it's not quite as bad. Of course, the three inning games where they're like a 40 run scored between the two teams. <laughs> Yeah, defense the wind, the, the wind was howling out. We we had a couple outs because we hit, we accidentally hit balls over the fence after we had used up our allotted home runs. Not that I was doing any of that. So you were the Augie Ojeda of the team, Jeff? I think think of myself more as the Paul Baco. So you play for a different team every year. Speaking of championships, we're at the point where Basically, with the extra wild card and all the randomness of baseball, all you got to do is get in. And the Cubs are moving on up. They're trying to get in the postseason. But again, uh, as we record, this is 48 games after tonight. So at that point, the Cubs have to try to find a way to hold this rotation together with Stroman out, with Ben Brown on the minor league IL, with Smiley being just whatever the heck this is just trying to rest the bullpen wherever we can uh we can talk a little bit about the upcoming schedule uh, i've been stumping to extend cody bellinger but you know it won't be an extension per se it'll probably just be a free agent contract but basically do not let him go to another team how's that for a plan guys i love this plan i'm excited to be a part of it let's do it sounds good i like it as the spring gave away to summer Past the ivy-colored dreams Toward the days that kept us yearning for tomorrow As of this recording, again, the Cubs are three games above 500, 
hopefully by the time we're done recording tonight, it'll be four. Oh, thanks, Talkman. They've had a number of hiccups, but they've also been playing the teams really strong. They did win a series pretty convincingly against the Cincinnati Reds. They won another hard-fought series against the very, very good Atlanta Braves team. Right now, I think they're in the stretch of schedule where there's just a lot of teams that they should be able to beat. I, I, I am content. It's just like Jeff says. I just like watching competitive baseball, and they're being very competitive right now. And it makes me happy. This this team uh, this year, it's it's like we keep going between being happy and being disappointed. And uh, it's sort of like the quintessential Cubs experience. You have all this hope and then it gets stashed and then it comes back. Um, and it has not really played out in any way like I thought it was going to. I made the comment a couple of days ago that we thought this team was going to be pitching in defense and the defense, of course, has been really good. And, and we thought they'd have to win a bunch of two-to-one games. But look at our run differential. Where did this offense come from? And what happened to the pitching, right? I mean, we're winning eight, six games, which is great because that's a lot of fun and it's exciting. But it, it's really not the team that I thought we were going to be watching all year. Yeah, it's definitely a little strange, though. I think that glib answer to where did this offense come from is uh, Cody Bellinger coming back. Like I, I really poo-pooed things a bit when people when he was on the the injured list and they're like, oh, what this team really needs is Cody Bellinger. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, sure, but you know, he doesn't have that big of an impact on the lineup. But uh, I yeah, uh, he shut me right up. Yeah, it has been very loud. He was the July Player of the Month. If he continues hitting like he has been, he might even challenge for Player of the Month for August. But I, I guess we'll see. Uh, I think he'll get maybe some MVP votes. I do believe that Acuna is going to win just because he has like the balance of power and speed and his team is like really, really good. But Bellinger should be getting a pretty sizable contract. I, I don't know how big, but we can talk about that later. But in the meantime, you guys are talking about the offense and the offense is coming from some very interesting places like Talkman. He just hit a go-ahead home run. Yay. You know, there there was a stretch where it was just like he's striking out a little bit. He's hitting grounders, but he's still seeing a lot of pitches. And I guess it just kind of turned around where he's going to take his walks. He's going to smack the ball all over the place. And sometimes the ball happens to go over the fence like it did just done. So he's been obviously the go to guy uh, now that say Suzuki has been relegated to the bench. And that's kind of sad for him, too, you know. Because I really wanted him to do well. He was supposed to be one of the big bats. And for whatever reason, he hasn't adjusted well. And I really hope he figures it out uh, soon. Because, you know, Talkman can't hit all the time. Or play all the time. And you can't have, say, a riding the bench. Because he's never going to get the reps that he needs to snap out of it. Well, say has had a couple of periods earlier in the year where he was he was really um, quite good at the plate. And so I think they, they announced uh, earlier today that he'll start tomorrow against the lefty. And so he has had to make some adjustments already before. So while he's definitely been slumping and he's looked uh, really kind of lost, you know, sometimes that's not a bad thing to have, you know, somebody just sit on the bench and watch and, and look and see what they're doing and, and think about their approach and, and then they come back okay. You know, we used to have to do that with Javi, right? I mean, he would get into these these slumps and these periods where he looked totally lost and then Madden would sit him on the bench for two or three days and then and then he'd come back and he'd be all right. So I, I'm not super concerned about say at this point. 
if anything, I wish they'd have pulled him out and, and sat him down for a couple of days earlier, but I think they're doing the right thing there. Yeah, I agree. And so, so, I mean, he'll still be going against lefties, so if, if nothing else, that should help him maybe rebuild his confidence a little bit, too. Because the hard thing with Seo was, you know, it always seemed like he was hitting like a billion line drives right at guys, and I'm sure that could be frustrating when you're triggering with your mechanics to say the process is working when you just keep making outs through no real fault of your own. I also think uh, it it would be really nice to see him start destroying left-handed pitching just to buy himself a little more runway, a little more playing time. Like I think he's been a really good teammate about it. He's like, you know, making jokes on the bench. You see that meme where he, he gets the baseball from Willie Harris and he's cackling and stuff. And it's, it's really great. Like, I, I think the chemistry is good. I think the attitude's good. You just need it to translate into performance again. And I, I think he has what it takes. It's just a matter of time. But they just simply don't have the time to give him runway. And that is probably the same for some of these guys in the rotation. Like, at some point, you probably shouldn't let Drew Smiley start anymore. And uh, I know he has a track record and stuff, but he just gives up way too many home runs. Like he's got an arsenal that is generating swings and misses. But when he misses his spot, the ball goes a long way the other way. And that is not good for anybody. And that's a huge part of the reason why the Cubs lost the opener against the Mets. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, uh, he, he looked so good earlier in the year. I mean, you know, pitcher slump, too, I guess. And, you know, when a, when a batter has a, a two game bad stretch you know you don't really notice it but just because it's two days but with a pitcher you know they had two bad games it feels like incredibly glaring because you know that's basically like a week and a half of bad play so i'm i'm, I'm not super worried who knows with pitchers anyway but I, I try not to overreact to someone having a couple of bad starts jeff's approach is about right we have to remember that a two-game rough stretch for a pitcher is like a week and a half or something it feels like for a for a batter but it's really not so the last few years the Cubs have been really good toward the in the latter half of the season about you know running that shuttle back and forth to to Iowa Um, it'll be interesting to see who comes up and who goes down we've already seen Anthony Kay go out for for Killian I'd like to see you know I, I actually even though I was kind of negative about the whole opener experiment with Smiley a couple starts ago after the second time through, I thought, you know what, this is probably a better deal. It seems like it's, uh, you know, I think they won both those games, um, if I recall, because they came back on that first one when they ended up giving up runs anyway. But it seemed like it was it was actually a pretty good approach. And for some reason, Smiley likes to give up first inning runs. So, um, I mean, not that he likes to, likes to, but he's, he's really good at it. And so um, having this other approach seems like it's a good idea. So maybe it's Killian, maybe it's Assad. He did pretty good in his three innings the other day. Maybe it's Bulmer again, but um, I like to see that continue until Stroman gets back. They said on someplace I read today, they think Stroman will make his next start on the 16th. So they've only got to get through one more stretch on the rotation so maybe that'll work i'm afraid it's not just like one or two starts like the the last two starts it it's basically he's been blown out but the ones before that he's given up a bunch of runs and not that many innings so it's basically that his damage has been limited so and that includes a couple of the starts where he was a piggybacker 
So I think it does make sense to let him be the relief man, especially now that Anthony K has been optioned to Iowa and we don't have a lefty guy except for the de facto, like this guy's good against lefties, Mark Leiter Jr. If we take a look at the schedule, actually, so I, I put this in the forum, but like Jeff said, we have the off day on Thursday. We have an off day on Monday after the Toronto series. We have another off day on the Thursday after the White Sox series, and they're still at home so they can sleep in their own beds. And then it's a stretch of 13 games until the off day on the 31st. So it, it does help them to stagger out, give the pitch pitchers a little bit of rest, skip a start, and maybe skip Smiley's turn in the rotation while using like you said, Skip, like an Assad or a Wisniewski as a piggyback, using a killing as a piggyback, or letting them just go as far as they can go without getting destroyed. So I, I think there there's something they could do to make this work, uh, especially against the White Sox and the Royals uh, at home next week. As, as much as uh, maybe batting against lefties might, might make Saya get right, you know, maybe a start against the Royals or White Sox might be, uh, might be good for Drew Smiley. <laughs> I don't think I would object to that, but uh, if he were to get like massacred by a White Sox or a Royals team or basically this Mets team, which is a shell of its former self, but it's not as terrible as those other teams. Like there are still legit hitters. So that was at least understandable. Right. But if he were to start against those guys and still not do well, it, it's not a good look. That's just my opinion, though. The thing about the Mets is they didn't really get rid of that much of their offense. They mostly traded pitching, right? And so they can, they're still going to score runs. So the real issue, you know, when you're playing the Mets is you got to beat up on the pitching and then pitch well yourself. If Smiley came in as the bulk reliever, then, um, and he pitched five innings as a bulk reliever, you know, that it seems to me like that would give him as much confidence as having a good start. Um, and if you if you pull the, the first time through the first six batters or something away from him and, and then let him get started on a little easier groove, uh, I think that's the whole theory behind the opener anyway. And um, and so, you know, maybe when you do that a couple times, then that really does get him back on, on board. I think it doesn't matter too much if, if Stroman doesn't become doesn't come back healthy, though. Because if that's the case, then I'd, I don't see us having enough depth to go very far. I mean, we might make a wild card, but but I'd be really concerned other than that because I'm, I'm not sure who you bring up from the minors to to help out in the rotation. They've got Killian up now, and the only other option really, as I look at it, is probably Ben Brown. And I'm not sure that they feel like they can bring him up to the majors this year. I think it might also be an innings limit for him, too, because he's getting close to his career high or his previous high. That's right. If we can have good enough starts, everything's hunky-dory. Drew Smiley remembers that he's supposed to be good or at least paid to be so, or at least, you know, as the Simpsons would say, cromulent. And let's say Kyle Hendricks stops having those like blow up innings and is the professor of old which he has shown shown uh, to be at, at many times this season. So it's very encouraging, right? There are glimmers of talent on this roster. Like that's why we were always, I, I wouldn't say super confident, but we also were cognizant of the fact that at any moment, this team could figure it out and go on like a major league movie run, uh, you know, towards the pennant. But uh, for the time being, it's just like, 
if you're giving short starts, if you're only doing five innings and you're giving up a b- b- bunch of runs, then the other guys have to make up four or more innings. And that really stretches out the arms. So that's why a lot of guys are tired. And that's why, like, Tucker Barnhart has had to pitch a bunch of games, you know, during the blowouts. Which is cool of him, you know. He he actually had like a zero ERA until he finally gave up a run, so that's pretty elite. But I'm I'm trying to fig- figure out because basically I've only seen like maybe four guys, and that's Merriweather, Leiter Jr., and Alzali and Assad. I'm probably missing somebody. The new guy Jose Quas had had a couple of innings as well. So you know there there are 13 pitchers on the roster. Five of them are in the rotation, so that's eight relievers. I forgot the other three, and that tells you uh, all you need to know about how much work the these main guys are doing. I still can't tell the difference between Michael Fulmer and Michael Rucker. Michael Fulmer. Oh, my God, I Ful- forgot Fulmer. <laughs> Idiot. Okay. Fulmer is the guy that's on the Major League roster right now. <laughs> Too many mics. I'm pretty sure <laughs> they sent Rucker down a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah, I think uh, you're right. Yeah. So Caleb Killian, and then they have uh, Daniel Palencia, who's the uh, the guy that throws him and Merriweather, the guys that throw 100 miles an hour. And uh, Palencia, he was in the game. I think he was in yesterday, so it must have been the day before. And, you know, he's if he's not on, he walks people like crazy, which he did. And they managed to get out of it. Um but, you know, he's the kind of the mop-up guy at the moment. Yeah, I forgot that uh, Wisniewski's in the pen right now, too. Oh, yeah, right. There, there's a lot of mileage on these arms. I hope that they actually can do something in October. But this team has been pretty good at building a bullpen. It finally meshed. And, you know, like I'll probably talk about this more like once the World Series is over. But next year, I hope they mesh a little earlier. I hope they onboard their new free agent pitcher or whoever a little better than what happened with Tyone this year. Like he had a great start against this Mets uh, offense. So I, I think other than the polar bear home run, which I guess is inevitable, he, he did pretty well. And I'd like to see that continue, but let's not have an off month, but that always happens to every team, even like, you know, the 2016 world champions. They lost like 15 out of 20 before the all-star break. And the good news is that they built a lead. It's kind of like if you're teaching someone in school, you know, you say do the assignments so that you don't have to play catch up later. And that's what happened. They kind of failed a bunch of tests early and now they have to play catch up to, to get to the postseason. Well, both Tampa and Baltimore have had periods where they where they've done a lot of losing and they've won what upwards of 65 games or something each. So you're you're exactly right there, Ken. And the one thing that has been kind of good about the Cubs the last few years, even though and sometimes the talent hasn't been super great, but is they have been a better second half team. And we're seeing that again this year, too. I'm looking at the minor league stats real quick, and and um, it, it's interesting. I don't really know who Chris Clark is as a as a pitcher for the Cubs, but he, he's another one that's he's one of the guys they've had starting for a while. Pitched two to four innings, and then uh, and then they put him in relief for an inning or two at a time, and it looks like they're stretching him back out again. Maybe he comes up uh, at some point in the next, but I don't know if he's on the 40 man or not, but we have two spots open on the 40 man right now because we just lost um, Brian Jensen to the Mariners. 
which I, I think he's a one of uh, Jeff's tin steps. And then we have uh, another opening from, I guess, from one of the trades. Yeah, that's correct. I think that those spots are being opened up in case they have like claims like right now. If they make waiver claims, that's the only other way you can add to the lineup or you trade for players who haven't had a major league contract yet, who have just been toiling in the minors all season. That's another way. And of course, like you just add a guy onto the 40 man, like say a Pete Crow Armstrong sometime in September as your, as your pinch runner. I don't know, but that, that would be really exciting if they did that. But I, I don't know if that's premature or, you know, we're just being antsy, but. There, there's a lot of options for them. I think there's some depth that they can definitely use in Iowa. And in September, they get two extra roster spots. They get an extra hitter and they get an extra pitcher. So I think uh, that's going to be some very interesting decisions. And you know, and then I haven't been paying too close of attention to Iowa and Tennessee and stuff. But most, most likely they're going to call up somewhere from Iowa, I think. Yeah, they also have um, some guys who could come back from the disabled list too, right? So we had Birdie that was on with appendicitis, and he kind of surprised he's not back, but I'm assuming that in his case they probably had to do the the whole surgery instead of the laparoscopic, um, so that's probably why he's not back right now. And I don't think we're going to see Keegan Thompson back because he has not really turned it around in Iowa. He, He looks pretty lost down there, so... But there are, you know, maybe a couple of other guys who could come back to from the disabled list. You know, I'm thinking Ethan Roberts or Cody Hoyer, but Hoyer, I think, had a had a setback, right? That was a while yeah, he, ago. he's out. He's out. You know, he had Tommy John and then he, he fractured his elbow earlier this year. So he, he's we're not going to see him. But Boxberger could come back. And maybe Brandon Hughes, because he didn't go with the full ACL replacement or whatever it was. It was just a debridement in his knee. Certainly glad one of us is paying attention. And it would be nice if the uh, Iowa Cubs still played in Albuquerque, but it looks like they don't anymore. <laughs> I would pay more attention. Yeah, I think they're just uh, staying on the east, right? They're they're playing uh, places like Nashville and and. I mean, they used, they used to be in the Pacific Coast League, but yeah, I don't yeah, know if that's a thing anymore, or maybe the PCL has just become like the Big Ten, where. Like the, the Eastern Division of the PCL is basically yeah. what, what used to be another conference. <laughs> like they're trying to get Cal and Stanford into the ACC and there's nothing Atlantic about Cal and Stanford. So I'm just like, what what even is going on anymore? Maybe they're called the Ocean Coast Conference. I, I hope whatever they're doing in, in college football to realign all the random leagues doesn't kill any of the other sports because that's going to really mess up a lot of travel for for folks especially if they're still supposed to be allegedly student athletes ah the iowa cubs moved to the international league in 2021 that's a bummer for me (laughs) i think that was part you know the 2021 is when major league baseball took over all the minors and they rearranged everything and they changed some league names and they cut all those teams and then they took iowa from being the what I think was the easternmost team in the Pacific Coast League and put them back in the International League. There are multiple divisions in the International League, right? Because I know that the Durham Bulls, like I used to go to school in North Carolina and I would go to Durham Bulls games a couple of times. It was a great experience, but they, I think, are in a completely different division than the uh, than the I-Cubs because, you know. Yeah, yeah, they're in the, they're in the East. 
Iowa Cubs are by far the westernmost team. I think the closest team to them is yeah. So who who's in the oh, division Memphis, right now? It, I think it's like Memphis, uh, Indianapolis, Nashville, and something else. Saint Paul, Minnesota. Yeah, Saint Paul Saints, Toledo Mudhens, Omaha, Nashville. So Round Rock is in some some other league now, right? Because those are the Texas teams. Yeah, like, Red Rocks uh, in the PCL. Oh, I, I, yeah, okay. PW and I always used to go to Express games when the Cubs were in town. Yeah, because I know, like, you know, Reno and Albuquerque and Vegas, they, they were all PCLs, right? Yeah, well, it's probably good for the Cubs that the I-Cubs are out of the PCL because it's such an insane hitters league that it can be tough for pitchers to, to develop. The travels, travel's got to be stupid, too. Yeah, the travel's you know, not great either, but... At least there isn't a team in Colorado Springs anymore. That was uh, <laughs> that makes Coors Field look like it's at sea level. Yeah, I think like uh, Colorado Springs is a thousand or two thousand feet above Denver, right? Yeah, it's about a thousand over. That's uh, crazy. It's like playing <laughs> Blurns Ball on the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look at the schedule, guys. Like, we have the Thursday off day. They're, they're at the Blue Jays. So I'm guessing that a couple of guys probably won't be able to travel if Canada still get the vaccine requirement. But that'll be a very interesting thing to, to think about. Like, last year, I think it was Steele and somebody else who, who didn't make the trip. But this is their one trip against the Blue Jays. Uh, next year, the Blue Jays come to, to Wrigley because they're alternating due to the interleague rescheduling but after that it's the white Sox, and uh i guess we could uh we could transition to the the punch heard around the baseball blogosphere uh you guys saw that i presume jose ramirez and tim anderson had a little kerfuffle and it was uh super amusing apparently that's the first time jose ramirez has ever been thrown out of a baseball game which i which i think tells you something right I actually was watching that because the Cubs game was already over. And so I was, you know, just kind of flipping around, wasting time. And I had the TV on in the background. And then all of a sudden, entertainment breaks out in the middle of a bad game. <laughs> well, it seems like it's the first time uh, Tim Anderson's hit anything uh, this year. <laughs> well, guys, hear really the Hamilton anything? call? He, he missed three times. He missed three <laughs> times. And then Jose ducked like all three times and connected <laughs> it was it was insane <laughs> okay well that seems about right I, I only saw the video once but yeah the the tom hamilton call was really good like that we always <laughs> anderson very spontaneous very iconic i i think that might be a smithsonian call in the future but <laughs> yeah it was great but it does lead me to think about the other teams as well. So in addition to the schedule that is favorable up until the Cubs uh, have to meet up with the Milwaukee Brewers again at the end of end of the month, there's just a lot of winnable games. I, they need to bank a lot of those wins, right? And my napkin math just tells me, hey, if they can win every series or at least most of the series, uh, basically – two out of three games or three out of five, they're at the level that they need to to give them a shot at one of the wild cards. And they're not too far away even after yesterday's hiccup. They're 
few games back of first place, and they're a little closer to the last wildcard spot. So this is very doable, especially with over 40 games left. I'd, I'd like to see them win. You know, they've got 12 games against the Sox, the Royals, the Tigers, and the Pirates, and I'd like to see them win at least nine of those. I, I know that's a that's a big lift for any team, but um, I mean that's that's a super soft spot in the schedule. So we really ought to take advantage of that. Um, like you said, we we really need to bank those wins there because then you got a harder stretch after that. September's not nearly as as soft as August. Uh, they do have the Rockies, which I may or may not go to. And the D-backs suddenly look uh, human again, too. So hopefully the mountain time zone is good to them. <laughs> Even if it's not good for me, they'll actually finally be blacked out of a game. It was really nice to see that the Marlins finally won a game again. They, they've been scuffling since the trade deadline. So have the Angels, for that matter, and makes... Adam, who's not here, was saying, hey, you really want Shohei Otani. And that's like a 99.9% approval rating there from everybody. You you want a Shohei Otani on your team, even if he's going to cost like a billion dollars, right? But the the fact that the Angels are scuffling is good, even though they're in another league, because that helps the Cubs and other teams in some way, because he's very unlikely to want to go back to a team that's not built to win. The fact that, you know, Arizona is scuffling, the Padres are continuing to scuffle even after they attempted to add with, you know, trading for Rich Hill, who is now another good and immaculate grid. All this is helpful for the Cubs, who have added marginally, but they added a guy who actually is pretty darn good in Jamer Candelario. And I, I don't think he's going to sustain his batting average or anything, but he, he gives the lineup more depth. and. Honestly, he probably should be hitting higher than sixth or seventh, but you know that that's just the way they draw it up, I guess. Yeah, Candelario is not a particularly sexy trade deadline chip, but uh, compared to the bar of uh, what we got from like Hosmer and Mervis and Mancini, yeah, he's looking pretty great. You know, the, this this trade for Candelario reminds me of when they traded for um, Nick Castellanos a couple years ago, right? So he was kind of average with the Tigers, and then he came over, and, and they were kind of in the middle of the race, and, and Castellanos, you know, he had two or three really good months with the with the Cubs, and Candelario's kind of doing the same thing, which is which is pretty great, because it seems to have energized a lot of the other uh, guys in the lineup. Hey, what do you think the value of having Shohei Otani on your team would be to say a Suzuki? Well, I mean, he has a pretty good interpreter who everybody seems to like, and he seems to get along with the teammates already. So I think he's fine. But he had, uh, during the Angel series, tried a little bit of recruitment. I thought that was cute. I think it might help to have another friend, uh, a hitting partner. It it wouldn't just be valuable, obviously, to say, but I, I think it does help to have somebody who comes from your own culture. You know, it, it probably helps quite a bit. Especially if, you know, Say is still kind of adjusting to the United States and Shohei ha- obviously had a couple more years to do so and obviously has adjusted very well. So maybe that'll help him by the transitive property of baseball juju. So not that we're going to get too much into the offseason yet, but so we're going to re-sign Cody Bellinger. We're going to get uh, Shohei Otani and we got to have at least another one more pitcher, maybe two. Seems like kind of a simple off season, right? Yeah, we, we, can, really, we can extend Sherman. That'll be the other pitcher. 
That kind of makes me wonder, like, depending on what happens when he comes back, do you allow him to opt out of his contract and just go away? Or do you still give him the extension? He obviously wants to be here. And when he's on, he's really on. He generates all the ground balls. And obviously with his off uh, defense, that's a very good thing. But, you know, when he's off, it looks like what we've seen before he went on the IL. So that applies to a lot more pitchers including a Kyle Hendricks, you know, like he has the club option. Do they pick that up? And now they've bought themselves another year of veterans who can, you know, help transition what's already in uh, the system. How well will a Kate Horton do? How well will Ben Brown do? Will Kale Killian remember that he was supposed to be good when he was hyped so, so highly, you know? I would keep Hendricks and I would either let uh, Stroman exercise his option because I, I think it's all his choice um, and not the team's choice. Um, and and I'd, I'd consider extending him if it wasn't, you know, I wouldn't go probably more than three or four years on him. And then I'd still sign some other guys because you I, I just feel like you can't have enough depth in the starting rotation. So, you you know, you, you we've heard this before. You really need like eight starters. And we really only have five, I guess. The only one that I've circled in my mind is Shohei Otani. I'm sure there are some other names that I would be perfectly happy with, you know, if I had to settle. But, you know, who who out there can they sign without going too far past the luxury tax? Because that's part of the reason why they sent some cash along on a couple of these trades, right? Because they... Or they had cash come back because they wanted to stay below the luxury tax so that they could trigger it next year. There's not a lot of people who are jumping out to me looking through the list here. Of course, I'm mostly looking at guys whose ages start with the number two, and there aren't that many of them. <laughs> well, Aaron Nola, he's had a down year this year. Um, Blake Snell, Giolito, Sonny Gray. Jordan Montgomery, you know, a lot of these guys that got traded recently. Seth Ligo, if he opts out of his, could be cheaper. Have I have you have I got your juices flowing yet, Ken? Uh, Carlos Carrasco, <laughs> Wade Miley could come back. We could resurrect Noah Syndergaard. It worked with uh, Bellinger. Let's see if uh, that's right. Another ex ex Dodger. Yeah, <laughs> Frankie Montas. Yeah. You know, Alzheimer yeah, I... has really really been good as a closer. Yeah, I think he, he's fine. <laughs> uh, I, I'm guessing that this is his job to lose. Like, I don't see somebody that they can sign to close. Uh, I don't feel like they're itching to bring a Boxberger back unless, you know, when he does come back, he shows something. But, uh, yeah, this is Adbert's job to lose. I think they have a good internal bullpen. But I, I honestly don't know who they're going to grab off the free agent market to to bolster the rotation, which is why it makes kind of makes sense to just keep Stroman and keep Hendricks for the last year of his contract. Neither of those guys really adds to the luxury tax over this year, if you think about it that way. So, you know, um, we're going to lose uh, Hayward's contract, and uh, I, I guess we'll lose a couple of others, but, you know, Hendricks and, and Stroman would be luxury tax neutral compared to this year. So... Anybody who signs Otani is going to go over, unless Kansas City signs him. But that's not happening. 
So I, I think we're just going to assume that the next couple of years, if we're going to sign somebody big, that we're going to be over the luxury tax. Good for us. We should be. We're a big market team. We had there's you know the Ricketts are making money hand over fist, so they should be. Maybe they're not going to go to the same extent as the Mets, but there's no reason that we shouldn't be over the luxury tax. I would agree with you. I, I need to do a post later on to just kind of do some napkin math for myself and see what they can fit in. And that also depends on how much money they're going to throw at a Cody Bellinger because he can obviously play center field and he can play first base. You've taken care of two potential positions. So if he's at one, you take care of the other. If he's at first base, you promote PCA. I, I don't know, but uh, in order to keep him, you have to throw some money at him. And the one that I'm thinking of is the Brandon Nimmo contract, which is eight years and uh, 162 million. I think with inflation and with Bellinger being probably better than a Brandon Nimmo, he would probably cost those eight years, but uh, at least 180. I don't even know if they go go eight years, maybe to do six and 180 or something. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know how baseball math works anymore. Yeah, I've lost all intuition too. But that's more a statement about me than it is about baseball. Well, it might well, be about baseball because the Phillies and Padres went stupid nuts over, you know, the, the shortstops and the Mets, obviously, like Steve Cohen has money flowing out his ear. So he's just going to, like, take a Q-tip and swab it and there there's your demo contract, right? <laughs> but. Yeah, that, it's kind of crazy. I don't know what it's going to do with the economic model for the next CBA, but I feel like they do better just giving money to the younger players and not getting all this money eventually wasted on older players who are going to decline. So remind me, how old is Bellinger? 28? I think that's right. So, you know, that's that's still very, fairly young in terms of the contracts and stuff. I have no idea what, what he is either, but considering the last couple of years have been pretty bad, uh, I wonder if that'll suppress his value um, at least a little bit, and in which case maybe they get him more in the Dansby range compared to the other big shortstops, right? My daughter's a junior in high school, and, and they're dealing with imaginary numbers and calculus now, and that's all I think baseball math is at this point, a bunch of imaginary numbers. I mean, if you if they just get a complex analyst on staff, and uh, yeah, that'd be a real competitive advantage. You should apply for that job, Jeff. Uh, I was always terrible at complex analysis. <laughs> yeah, but res, res, think about calculus it. sucks ass. It, it's it's like your your money is now in another plane of existence. So maybe that's a good selling point. Right. As of now, the Reds have lost, so I think the Cubs are now in a virtual tie as of this recording. Rockies are actually being kind of useful right now. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. We, we again, have 48 more Cubs games to go, including makeups from previous and any potential makeup doubleheaders. So I think there's still plenty of time. The season will not end today. It will not end on the day that you listen to this unless the day happens to be after the season. So there's plenty of stuff to go around. And that means 
you're kind of just worrying about the results of these games, it means the Cubs are doing something meaningful right now, and they definitely are. And this is a very fun team to watch. They're winning close games. They're winning blowouts. They're bouncing back after they get blown out. It's a very encouraging and exciting Cubs game and a Cubs team to follow, and I hope that they build upon this very soon. You know, the the thing that, that's really been cool about this team is uh, in the last few weeks is they've really been good about coming from behind. It seems like they're almost never ahead to start. They're down two, they're down three, just like today they were down two, right? And uh, and they came back. And I think that it's nerve-wracking, but it's really great. It's really fun to watch. Yeah, I think most fans are antsy because they care, because they have a reason to care. And that hasn't happened in a very long time. I think they will be able to compete to the very last game. And hopefully they have a little X next to their name in the standings before the final game. But if not, you know, they, they've made a very good try. I think they definitely should try harder next year. Uh, unfortunately, the free agent list isn't as, it, it isn't as full as you would like, uh, unlike this this past offseason, but also there's a lot of opportunity for them to trade from their prospect depth and get some very interesting help down the line. But uh, that's that's probably something that we can explore uh, once they do have that little X next to their name in the standings. And in the meantime, I thank you guys for hanging out with me. You can, of course, find us all hanging out at obstructiveview.net. We still have our World Series Dreaming Facebook page. The I don't know, like, like we still had that bet about, you know, whether Mastroboni would have more hits than Twitter stays alive. Technically, I think Twitter <laughs> is no longer alive because it's now X, which I think is ridiculous and stupid. Uh, but <laughs> the platform is still alive. So I don't know how you want to settle that bet. So. Um. I I think if it's not Twitter anymore, then it's not Twitter anymore, and Master Boney wins. Um, Technically, but, uh, it's still uh, Twitter.com. Yeah, he that uh, hasn't changed the URL, so he needs to like. I, I wonder okay. if he has to buy X.com from like a porn site or something, <laughs> <laughs> so that he can reroute it. But but uh, it, it's just so bad at branding, like you know the boring company. Come on, man. <laughs> Cyber truck. Tesla is at least a good good name, even though their cars aren't probably not as quality as he makes it out to be. So I I don't know if you guys were listening to the to the game at, at when it started, but they're having trouble with Pitchcom. But I've been listening to the radio a lot, and, and Pat and Ron have just been cracking me up. Um, although it was Zach and and Ron Coomer tonight, and so since Pitchcom didn't work, they had to go back to the old-fashioned way. And and Ron Coomer's like, gosh, if Pitchcom doesn't work. Will they just have to flash your, their fingers down and make signs with that? And Zach's like, you mean they can do that? And Ron says, well, I mean, they used to be able to before people started pounding on trash cans. And I was yeah. just like, you, you guys, guys want to roll right now. <laughs> I'm glad they're all being allowed to, to have fun on like certain like uh, Orioles announcers. Yeah, I, I, thought back going, Friday, I thought though. you were going in a different direction. Like that, this is going to be some joke about that. The diaper adrians that they keep dunking <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I mean, I, I, I put my comments on North Shore adult diapers on, on the, uh, you know, on the comment threads on obstructive use. So, so those of you that uh, are only listening to this and not checking out the website, and if you want to see comments about North Shore adult diapers in Chicago, then that's the place to go is obstructive view. We're, we're this far into the season and I still can't decide if this was a colossally stupid move or just a galaxy brain move to accept that sponsorship. I still don't know. It cracks me up every time. No. Is that? Oh, uh, oh my God. That, that is on the radio now, huh? So in, in addition to Des Moines, are they the still the doing Gold Coast silent? Bank and the Village yes. of Bedford Park? Yep. They sure are. <laughs> but, but, but now they're doing adult. No, that tells you about the demographic that they're catering to. This is bad. They need to like start doing like Pokemon and stuff. Well, <laughs> Get the young viewers. This, this or whatever my, it is the kids like these days. <laughs> well, my my daughter laughs at the adult diapers all the time. So um, yeah. I mean maybe maybe it's sort of a a backward way of getting the the younger kids into it. But yeah, every time there's an, uh, the um, the opposing pitchers issue a walk to the Cubs. You know they have a control problem, and that's sponsored by North Shore Adult Diapers. <laughs> that's good marketing. That's actually a very good marketing. I brilliant. Yeah, so this yeah, is from right. uh, Ford C. Frick winner Pat Hughes <laughs> and friends. <laughs> this is why he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean they they keep trying to one up each other too to. Uh, Remind whoever's currently on the mic to do the diaper read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad they're at least doing play-by-play. I think Boog and JD and all of them are good. It's just that every now and then they get on a story and they miss like seven pitches. And by the time they're done with the story, the app that's over and you're like, well, if I wasn't paying attention, I have no idea what happened. I got to check the little Chiron and see that there's a dot on first and a dot on third and two outs. And you have no idea what just happened, you know? So I, I think they definitely need to change that. But I, I do miss the radio. I ne- think I need to tune into that one a little more. <laughs> Thanks for yeah, that. I mean, that I mean I'll, I'll often put it on when I'm yeah. putting around the house after, like if it's a Cubs day game. Like when I get home, I'll just put the, the rebroadcast of the radio game on and, you know, while I uh, do it cooking or whatever. And it's nice. I love getting Woodman's ad. That's that's what makes me feel most nostalgic for the Midwest. I, they, I they, the the two dudes in the commercial had just have the most Wisconsin accents. I just love it. Again, thanks, guys, for hanging out with me. You know, we, we do have an email, worldseriesdreaming at gmail.com. Uh, I don't know how many people are emailing that, but we're there. We already talked about obstructive view, so you can go there. It'll be in the show notes. Thanks to Rich Deanna for our theme song. Randall Sanders for pulling the final out call from the 2016 World Series. Basically, you win, you get in. Anything can happen, so just got to get in, guys. 40 more wins, that'll do it. Yeah, 40 and 8 to end the season. I I think that would definitely do it. Put some pressure on the the leaders, at least. That's right. Get the Dodgers sweating a little bit. All right, guys, thanks a lot, and go Cubs. Go Cubs. Go Cubs. Ron Santos, happy tonight. It was more than just a game. Hey, Cubs win. Cubs win. Hey. It was more than just a game.